Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 29th of April 2011. Newcomers, look into the website CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com and help yourself to the audios which are there for free download. There's hundreds and hundreds of them where I hope to give you shortcuts to understanding this incredibly complex system you've been born into and how this superstructure really, you never see this superstructure, it's way above politics. Uh, comprising of big foundations, NGOs, and bank, big bankers, the big people who really run the world, how they interlock with each other, interweave to shape a future, a desired goal that doesn't just evolve as they go along, making it up. They actually have it planned a long time ago, and you find you're living through an old script, really. That's all these things are, including the wars that are going on now and the wars in the past. These are all part of the script because places have to be taken over, standardized into the one system under the one banking system too, globally, before these conquerors can say that they control the whole planet. And pretty well they do already, to be honest with you, at least financially. So help yourself to the audios, and remember too, on all the sites listed on the com site, you can get transcripts in English of a lot of the talks I've given, and go into alanwattsentinel.eu if you want transcripts in other languages. Help yourself. And remember, too, you're the audience that bring me to you. As I say, I do it the suicidal way. I depend on contributions from the public rather than advertisers coming in and coming on as guests and so on and paying me for doing so. That's how generally hosts make their living, and that's fine. I'm trying to do it the other way because I don't want to be compromised in any way at all. The ads you hear on this particular program are paid by advertisers directly to Republic Broadcasting Network to get the broadcast out to pay their staff the equipment, airtime and their bills. So you help me with mine by buying the books and discs I have for sale at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. You'll find it how to do it on the com site. And remember too that from the US to Canada, personal checks are good uh, as are international postal money orders from your post office and some people just send cash and you can also use PayPal to order. Use the donation button and follow it with an email with your name, address, and order, and I'll get it out to you. And believe you me, too, straight donations are certainly appreciated because there's not nearly enough coming in at all to help me get through what I'm doing here. Across the rest of the world, you've got Western Union, MoneyGram, and again, PayPal. Same thing. If you want to order through PayPal, send it a donation, follow it with an email, name, address, and order, and I'll get it out to you. But we are going through an amazing system. See, we, we have been completely managed our whole lives, uh, as your, was your parents, of course, all the way through into the days of Bernays, who came up with the idea of controlling whole continents, basically, uh, through advertising and propaganda put out by government. He worked with the, all the presidents of the United States pretty well for his, the whole length of his life, and he'd been taught these arts from 
much more occult systems that pre-existed him, of course. He didn't come along as a young fellow and get invited along to the League of Nations to find out how to put it across to the countries at the age of 21 or whatever. He didn't learn all that by himself. He was taught this stuff, and he was very successful at it. And, of course, today it's even more pervasive and more perfected because propaganda works through all entertainment, all media, all advertising as well, all the PC terms and so on will also be used in advertising until, as simple as can be, you start parting it yourself in conversation. And before you know it, you've been changed from this position and things to that position over there without really a conscious thought about it or any reasoning at all. That's the beauty of being brainwashed. You don't need to have any reasoning powers whatsoever involved. It's a, it's a lazy man's way of losing your mind, you might say. And lots of folk really like it that way. They don't like having to figure things out for themselves. And they certainly don't like looking at their own countries and saying, are these protectors actually fooling us? Oh, they hate that one, don't they? Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, and there's a caller there already from the UK, so I'll take its long distance. There's Daniel hanging on there. Are you there, Daniel? Oh yeah, hello. Hello. Um, hello, yeah. You, you, you were involved in the music industry for a long time. Um, yeah. That's right. Uh, I wanted to ask you a question about this, because, you know, if, I mean, I haven't got a television, I haven't had one for years and years, but if I ever hear sometimes... Um, like a, a pop song, if I was ever in a waiting room or someone had it blaring out for their um, radio. Although I hate this music and it's it's absolute rubbish. Um, sometimes I find it gets stuck in my head, and um, I think why would a song that I can't stand get stuck in my head? I'm just wondering. Um, they must have analysed music um, mathematically and have some formula mm-hmm. that they've come up with where they can sort of churn out. Tunes and they know that it affects your brain in a certain way because well, I don't think it's a coincidence. It can't be a coincidence that this terrible music gets stuck in your head. Can you just explain that to me? Yeah, it's just very old techniques have been used. They've been studying this for hundreds of years, in fact. And even with Beethoven and others, uh, they found out that certain discordant techniques used in a live theatre could make people angry, aggressive, and even attack each other. So they understand how the sounds work, but also they know uh, through, again, you understand (laughs) when you are in a theater, you're being observed. And they've been observing audiences for well over a 100 years with cameras, etc., to see how they react with their facial expressions to certain scenes and so on. This is also used in television, too. You can also sit and watch your own family staring at television and their mouths open, they'll laugh at parts, cry at parts, and look really nervous at other parts. It's an old, old technique, uh, but when it comes to music, too, they know exactly... It doesn't matter what the background slush is. I call it slush. Um, I was listening to what someone sent me one. It was about lesbianism being heavily promoted in uh, the music industry now and bisexuality through the females. And that's what they always said. Even Bernays said it will change society, totally turn it upside down via the female because she's the first to adapt or try something new. And it was one song that was called um, I Kissed a Girl and I Liked It. It was called By a Girl, you see. 
and and then she, but her boy might not mind, her boyfriend might not mind, so she's also bisexual. So that's the message. But the background slush, you'd never remember what she was singing about, but the hook part is a little melodious part. Uh, it's like a jingle. Uh, I kissed a girl and I like it. Da, 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 da. Like that. It's very simple. That sticks in your head, and especially in youngsters' heads. And in fact, they'll, 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 they'll repeat this stuff without consciously sometimes even remembering what, or thinking of what it says. Uh, but it's always really been like that when you go back through, uh, music. Um, the ones who, you know, got to understand most people don't write their own music for a start. Um, you can hire people uh, for pennies. And make them stars if you want to, and still take most of it off them. <laughs> Let them live in big houses and, and, and collect pennies. But the boys who run them and run the music and give them the image, because you always get an image built for you. And even all the stories about them are fake too. Um, they're put out there by, from the media and by the media, by, again, managerial experts to give them a, a bad boy, good boy, bad girl, whatever image. And that's all taken. It's, it's thoroughly professionally managed is what I'm saying. Uh, and even the scandals are managed, they're, they're created, most of them, uh, because you must get the people to, to watch these people and copy them. So the whole thing is emulation. But the thing is, most of these songs that have got the hooks in them, you'll notice, are aimed at really young children. And uh, when you look at the ones now, all about sexuality, etc., they're definitely all aimed at young children to coincide with their brainwashing at school that there's no such thing as normal anymore, you see. And that, that it does tie together perfectly well. And also they look up to these celebrities just like adults would do um, to, with celebrities. And they want to emulate them and be like them and try what they're saying. Uh, so this is very old technique. They really, once they got to the Madonna stage, they really started to, to pump it up then push the envelope. And that's the term they use in the industry is pushing the envelope. Uh, and it's a, it's a term they use in the censor departments, which are not there to censor stuff that is going to shock the public. They're there to see how far they can push it and what, are you ready for the next bit of degradation. That, that's what censorships are is all really about, uh, seeing if you're ready for the next part of degradation, because this is a planned takedown of all that was normal and definitely the eradication of the family unit. That's all part of this. And you can read about it from very old books uh, that they, they planned this whole thing out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yes, I can, I can see that, but it was, it was that um, the term you used, the hook, that I yeah, was um, yeah. think that that because I mean, although it doesn't affect me in the same way, it's I can definitely notice that mm-hmm. it gets stuck in your head, and although yes. you know it affects obviously women more and then youngsters even more, etc. But I y- youngsters, y- you actually you actually hear the youngsters. Uh, even even if they can't even speak the words properly, uh, they'll do da 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 da, you know, and so that little hook too affects them too the same way, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and even um, you can even like you say, people even who don't speak the language, it can get them because it's the tune, it's the melody or, or something in there yeah. that, that hooks them, isn't it? Well, well, um, there was just one other thing I wanted to ask you as well. There was a music thing, but <clears throat> you know, when I see these, um, you talk about people being chosen for specific roles, like the president or prime minister or someone else, and they're chosen a long time ago. Well, <laughs> after all this fuss about Obama. And his birth certificate and all this nonsense. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was just wondering, um, what sprung to mind was that film, The Boys from Brazil, where he clones Hitler and then he puts them with foster parents, you know? Um, yeah. I'm just wondering, do you think that happens? Well, what I do know has happened in the past, when you into histories of the special breeding programs in the 1800s within the United States, 
many of them were given protection because they were under the guise of Christian communes, and they're called communistic Christians, by the way, uh, who were trying to do special breeding programs. One of the best known was the Oneida Project. There's many others, actually, including in Mormonism. But uh, they weren't allowed to, they were allowed to have sex every day with other partners who were picked for them, but not to have get one pregnant. They were only allowed to, uh, certain ones were allowed to breed and some not. Uh, an Ida community, well funded by the way, big connections. The president of the United States was a cousin of Noyes, who really came from the, the, the Newman or Neumann family, or the big banking family. He ran it. And, uh, uh, and uh, Darwin was, was, uh, got, got his magazine. He was keeping up on how the breeding experiments were working. Now, they claim to have lost all the records of their offspring at the end of World War II because of the bad publicity of Hitler and his particular eugenic program. Uh, so, they had, so they had a convenient fire, but I'm sure they never lost the records. I'm sure many of these particular characters, by the way, um, are, are, are in high positions today because they were specially trained from childhood due to the supposedly superior breeding, uh, scientific mating, and so on. You'll find it, too, with Obama's mother. Uh, if you went to her, she belonged to one of these particular sects, and she literally, from a very young age, was trained to be a, what she called a revolutionary, in a Christian community. Uh, so you've got to think about this. And then she immediately, um, she knew from a very early age she was to, she was to marry a black man. Uh, and and uh, so she was definitely being coached from a very early age for her particular role. We'll never get the whole story unless you had a confession come out or someone, which will never happen. But I've no doubt at all that this has been, uh, been how it's been done. Special breeding has definitely been behind it. You don't need uh, cloning for a president uh, because presidents really are lesser beings than, than the people behind them. The, the vice president's far more important. He gets the work done behind the scenes. And uh, although his breeding is very important, you'll find generally they're from the same breeding, actually, if you know what I mean. Yeah. When, I, when I say, um, I wouldn't absolutely, the, the, the cloning part wasn't critical. I just meant that they, they would choose people literally um, from birth or even pre-birth and say, right, this person is going to be doing this role in yeah. 30 years' time, that sort of thing. Yes, in fact, Huxley touched on that, and Russell talked on, t- uh, touched on that too, that they would breed the, the leaders of the, the... Now, he was talking about the real ones above the Bama level, actually, uh, the ones who really run the world, not the guys that we think we elect. Um, yeah. But, uh, so they, they actually have been at this for an awful long time with selective breeding for, for leaders for the future, and it's, it's been going on, on for well over a hundred years, as I say. From the mid-1800s, we get traces of it coming out, as I say, with communities like Oneida uh, that literally had to obviously kill off the children that, that uh, were, were born by, or by accident uh, because only certain people were allowed to actually breed uh, with a mate. Um, and they, they claimed that they used sterpulation which is almost like the Catholic method of withdrawal, etc., which is nonsense. But they also uh, publicly they admitted to practicing pedophilia, the same thing in school today, getting the children used to sex before they're even going into puberty, and they would use uh, post-menstrual uh, uh, women, uh, elderly women, to introduce the boys into it, etc. And this is all plain record on various sites and libraries in New York. You can get this information. Uh, but under the guise of and they got the protection of pretending they were a Christian cult, but they were not Christian whatsoever. Yeah. In fact, many of them were actually, some of them were actually Jewish, like the guy who, who left the cult, um, the Nida community, and went and straight to McKinley and killed him. He, he belonged to that community there. 
So it's part of a revolutionary movement, you see. Yeah. Yeah, because and people attach. Uh, sometimes I think people attach too much significance of um, religion. You know, this group are Jewish. They say mm-hmm. Jewish bankers, or that mm-hmm. it's the Jesuits, or it's the Catholics. And I personally, I don't think it really makes any difference because. Um, their, their, their religion is really just being in charge and in power, isn't it? They, I don't think there's probably lots of different religions of the people in charge. I, I don't think, in fact, a lot of them are probably even atheists, aren't they? I mean, what do you think? A lot of them are atheists, but they believe in uh, genetics. Uh, certain religions believe they are superior genetically as well as every other way, and they're very boastful about it. If you read their own magazines. Well, I was going to ask you um, this Masonic knowledge, um, ancient knowledge. Secret knowledge that's been, uh, I, I take it, is knowledge of um, the, the earth. And um, does it involve sort of the, the sacred geometry and the golden ratio and all this sort of stuff, the Fibonacci um, sequence and how they, they, they carved the, the um, Ramses II's um, statue and the, built the pyramids? Is, is that all the sort of knowledge we're talking about here? And, and if that's passed down, at what level is that taught? I mean, yeah, is it taught? Well, hold on and we'll, we'll touch on that when I come back. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, talking to Daniel from the UK. Uh, and you were talking about geometry, Daniel, weren't you? Well, I've been looking into the um, ancient stuff as much as I can. So massive subject, but um, the Sumerians and the, the Egyptians. And I've come across this, um, the, the flower of life drawing, uh, sacred geometry, um, and how the, the golden ratio, that 1 by 1.618, whatever it is, seems to, the Fibonacci sequence, how this is all linked, um, and how this is what knowledge, of the, amongst other things, the, the ancients seem to have in order to do these carvings. They obviously had a very good understanding of mathematics. I'm just wondering that, um, what, what is this ancient knowledge um, that, you know, the Masons Well, what have? they believed, what they believed in ancient times, and, and right through to the Middle Ages, in fact, was that by understanding what they called nature, that was the way that they couched it amongst members and initiates and so on, nature. Um, in other words, how things work in nature, they're talking about science. Uh, if they found out ways and patterns and laws, fixed laws in science, then eventually they would, they would get to understand and then break down and utilize science and then alter nature itself by using the powers within nature. And that still goes on to today within science. That's all science really does. Uh, and, but they, they used it for initiates, of course, uh, to, to show that there were within geometry fixed values, fixed things, which will always turn out like the gold ratio and so on, and the box will always end up being the same little box and so on, perfect dimensions uh, regardless, and how there were c- connections between different kind of numbers, binary numbers and so on. Uh, that, that was all part of the teachings as well. And that was a, a phenomenon at the time because most of the public were absolutely ignorant, couldn't read or write, and here you'd feel very, very special when you're let, let in on the fact that even within this thing of mathematics, you have all these uh, fixed, uh, uh, definitely fixed laws, uh, which the, the public were, it made you feel superior over the public who hadn't a clue of, of anything, really. And it's even more so today in science. Science is very elitist and very snobbish. 
but um, they, they used this technique all the way through. And back to the mystery religions, I mean, at one time you had to be taught within the mystery religions in, in the higher echelons to get a good religion. And Plato talks about his own, own initiations in Egypt and then being sent over to the Levant and then onward to India in his own day to complete the perfect, travel the circle around them to be the perfect uh, adept uh, who knew it all, basically. And, of course, he got that from Socrates and all the rest of them, who'd all done the same circuit long before. So knowledge was always to be kept uh, from the the masses by the ruling caste or class, uh, and much the same as today, really. Uh, But uh, it was very, very important to them in those days. They thought they had a form of magic, in a sense. It did have a form of magic. They could certainly build wonders to astonish the lowest peasant, and, um, and, and the peasant would be dumbfounded as to how they actually worked out the dimensions to even do this. They couldn't fathom it. it was, uh, so so they really were trying to be like gods on earth in a sense, and that's how they'd appear to ordinary people. And then, of course, we, we know in the Middle Ages, when Rosicrucianism broke out too, they built uh, many cities along certain lines of the earth uh, and directions. Of course, you can, you can all measure them all up uh, with, with the compass, etc. And... They, they, they mapped them out, much like Washington, D.C., with Masonic, uh, uh, using Masonic squares, compasses, and symbols, and so on. For the, so that, it's an old technique they used for all the way back to Egypt, because what they were doing in Egypt, since the, the stars represented the gods, as a representation of the gods, the Milky Way was a pathway of souls going up to get reincarnated to come back down. And, of course, Orion was the big god. So every pharaoh was technically Orion, the hunter with a club and um, the three belts and in, in, uh, the, the three stars in the belt were also, uh, they, they tried to put that down on earth. So the three stars in the belt became the three great pyramids. That's the belt of Orion. And then if you look down across that whole region, you'll find all the rest of the stars that would make up the rest of Orion, round about it in places and so on. So they were bringing heaven to earth, a very ancient technique. You'll find that even in the Old Testament, bringing heaven to earth. Uh, the idea that you can make a utopia on earth as opposed to Christianity, which says you, your heaven is a different place. Uh, you still have these people who want to bring a heaven on earth, a utopia. Uh, so it's all connected, of course, from an ancient time to the present. And don't forget algebra as well. It was very important in even the, the, a lot of this, the slates for training uh, students in Babylon and Sumer, ancient Sumer, in fact, they show you the unearth schoolhouses where they were doing uh, pretty well advanced algebra for student children. Uh, they would become uh, eventually the administrators as they grew up. So this is very, very ancient, these things, but again, always kept for a select few, as knowledge always is, because knowledge is power. You know. Yeah, sure. No, I understand. That, that's, that's a lot, um, made it a lot clearer now, because uh, obviously it's a massive subject. Do you think that's um, the reason they went into Iraq was twofold? One, to get the old, but do you think, too, it was because they wanted to get control of all these ancient sites? Um, I think they'd always know, they'd always known really they'd get control of it regardless, one way or another, but uh, they're after water. It's one of the largest aqueducts really in that whole region, even goes under, under Egypt, is in Libya, and um, masses of water, that's going to be gold of the future for them, and also for, uh, of course, for the oil and lots of other minerals too. But it's also threefold. It's also to bring them under the standardized con of a d- democracy where they put in their puppet governments who, and who go scam the public well and be allowed to do so as long as they go along with the global agenda. That, that's the really three reasons for it, yeah. 
But, and you uh, think the, if, um, the pyramids were, <clears throat> I was looking at information about this, the pyramids were some sort of way of manipulating and creating energy. Well, you're certainly spending a lot of energy climbing them and going through the tunnels, but it was much more than that. It was for a spiritual thing uh, and a spiritual connection to the stars. Uh, more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back, cutting through the matrix. I should take Paul from Maryland now. Is Paul there? Hello, Paul. Yes, hello, Alan. Um, I listened to you for years and uh, also RBN and other alternative uh, stations, uh, networks, etc. Um, my question, I'm retirement age. I'm an aerospace engineer type and uh, my parents were from Canada I have many relatives in Canada mm-hmm. I am a U was born in US uh, so I'm a US citizen because my parents moved down but mm-hmm. and they're they're gone now but I have relatives up there so my question is since I've heard all these other gloom and doomers talk about what they uh, project is going to happen, uh, and I'm sure you you talk about that as well. Mm-hmm. Whether it would be the the thing to do to um, relocate to Canada, although I'm a U.S. citizen, but yeah. since my parents were from there, I don't know if that would make any difference or not. Yeah, you'd probably find it easier to get in, for sure. And uh, you got to remember, too, that Canada's tied to the U.S. through so many treaties, through the NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement, uh, and so on. And technically, whatever happens in the U.S. will affect Canada as well, financially and otherwise. Um, I mentioned that in 2005, the Council on Foreign Relations came out on Canada as its own group, the Council on Foreign Relations, and they talked, uh, the Waco meeting was going on with uh, President Bush and, and uh, the Canadian president, Mexican president, and they talked about unification of the Americas there again, uh, including all financial unification. Uh, I think they're going to give us the same deal, basically, as they've done with the European bloc. So one country goes down financially, the rest have to chip in and become indebted as well to bail them out. I think that's what they've set up already. Um, Canada won't be hit so hard, I don't think, um, with a totalitarian kind of scenario. What we see in the U.S. is obviously totalitarian. We've got military guys dressed like combat, so uh, you know, something of like Ninja Turtles sort of thing, um, all over the place, and X-raying, and they're even going into X-raying people in the streets now, and buses. Um, I don't think it'll be quite as bad as that in Canada for, for maybe a few years longer. It will come here eventually, of course. As, as the, see, they do expect riots. If you go into the Council on Foreign Relations and you really waste your time going through their boring stuff to find the good stuff, they do tell you about the, the becoming riots, food, food shortages, all that kind of stuff. 
um, down the road. Well, that will hit everywhere, including Canada. Uh, what the U.S. is to be taught right now is a lesson, by the way, by the big money boys, uh, to teach the public that they're now poor, and they have to now start to, to really ma- hike up inflation, cost of living, until you don't have dispo- disposable income anymore, and you're also going to have the mass rush into the already overcrowded cities with Agenda 21 taking place. Uh, it's going to be faster in the U.S., I think, than anywhere else. Even today, I've got three or four articles with different U.S. Uh, large townships in California, other areas where the people are all moving out to the big cities. So that's scheduled for the U.S. They're not going, how can you bring back the economy which they gave away to China? Uh, you, you understand they're not coming back. And um, we can't compete with China on any level now, really. All we can do is buy things from them. So uh, there's nothing scheduled to take the place, the void that was left from all that lost employment. Uh, So it's not going to get better in the U.S. And definitely there will be more riots in the U.S. I know that because it's more of a a spirit of believing they have more rights in, in, in the U.S. and other countries. So there will be riots. But again, they're prepared for all that, too. And they have discussed this with all their think tanks. It might be easier to come to Canada. It would certainly be more laid back because the public here know nothing. <laughs> They're quite happy knowing nothing. And uh, I um, noticed that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they know nothing. They're very happy, and and it doesn't matter what happens with tax increases. They don't really even complain about it, and they kind of avoid serious topics. So. I don't think the police and the military will be used on the Canadians for a, a, a bit, uh, some time, uh, but they'll definitely be used on American citizens much quicker. The Canadian dollar, as they say, is a bit stronger right now compared to this. It's been less now for a six month, maybe a year. The Canadian dollar is stronger, but as I say, we're so tied to the U.S. economically, that could plummet too if they decide to, to make it. It's done with a stroke of a pen and it can just plummet. So it's all hit and miss, if you ask me, as to where you prefer to live. Um, I know lots of people who have left the U.S. already and taken their chances in other countries, including Thailand, for instance, um, and they like it there, by the way. Uh, it's hit and miss right now as to where to spend the last few years of your life uh, out, kind of out of it. You know it's all going to happen, but you're kind of out of it, and that's all you can really do because these plans are coming ahead regardless of what the public say or protest about, they're, com- they're, going to, they're going to be fulfilled, I know that. And you might want to look at a place where you can just sit, simply retire, even part of Canada, and live the last few years of your life in some sort of decent standard of living. Yeah. I've heard good things about uh, some countries in South America. Could you meant, do you uh, follow that at all? I've, I've, I've really uh, looked at that too. I have people who have moved to there. I've got some people moving into it now, in fact, some have already moved in different places. The problem with South America is you still have U.S. involvement, um, even patrolling jungles and so on. The drug, they've got the narco trade is a great excuse for, for U.S. Um, involvement there. Um, they can also put up a dictator overnight and cause mayhem. That's your problem, too, because the U.S. is always playing geopolitics in, in uh, Latin America. Um, Brazil is scheduled definitely, like India, by the CFR and all the rest of the boys and the World Bank to be brought up to a first world level. So uh, I think they're going to you have an easier lifestyle if you're into one of the main cities in Brazil. Um, 
uh, the cost of living will be kept down as, as they bring them up, because our, it's our tax money that's bringing them up, by the way, as we go down. And uh, they get all the tax benefits, and they won't get the carbon taxes for 20 years, according to the trade the, the treaties of have signed with the WTO. So uh, these are the places, the up-and-coming countries like India and, and as I say, um, some Latin American countries um, like Brazil, they'll probably have a better standard of living as long as they can keep peace and order in the meantime. Yeah. How about Argentina? Argentina, too. They've been hacked before, of course, as you know. Um, there's a lot more to it than the public have ever been told, um, even to do with the, the big financial crash. And it was the public, again, who took to the streets to drive out the bankers, many of who, by the way, came to Canada. It was actually on television. There were special exemptions made for a certain people uh, who ran their, the, the economy of that country. And... Um, uh, it might be, but once again, when you have a, a volatile nature that can be stirred up very quickly, it, it could be done again. Depends what the big boys want. Now, if Argentina goes along with WTO and all the rest of it, then they'll, they'll certainly bring peace to that area, uh, as they will with other the other main cities in Latin America. What you have to do is use your own head, and and you can make your own inquiries. Uh, don't listen to any website, including mine. If I if I advise you to go, you should check everything up. But look into what's scheduled according to the Council on Foreign Relations. That that's your best bet as to what they plan for any area, or any country, uh, for the next 10, 15 years or so, or even 20 years. They always tell you what's coming up. They always tell you if they've got a problem with any particular uh, political organization or a leader. Uh, and so, and they also tell you where the money is being pumped into through the World Bank, the IMF, and so on, and your tax money through all the deals they've made. That's the, that's, that's what you've got to rely upon. Uh, nothing else. Yeah. One other question, Alan. Um, yeah. They, the gloom and doomers are talking about a, a very uh, soon dollar drop. Is that your tactic, or do you think that's gonna? Uh, going to be prolonged. What's your? They'll prolong it. They'll stretch it like a rubber band as it falls in value. Uh, that is scheduled to happen. It's called inflation. It's only now they're, they're, they're talking about inflation at all. It's, you've, really, the U.S. Should, should have had inflated currencies back in the 70s onwards, but they artificially kept it low because of the oil revenues coming in. But uh, when the big boys again, like the CFR, World Bank, and so on, start saying America's got to start inflation. Uh, to pay back the debts, etc., then you know it is going to happen. Uh, it may be done gradually. It'll start with food, of course, and then on to other basic necessities, uh, and then it's across the board. They want to bring you down to the same standard as Britain, where all disposable income goes to back in fees and taxes and so on. Uh, you're post-consumer, remember. Uh, this is what they're telling you in the world organizations. You're a post, post-consumerist society. And so all your cash will go on survival, basically. That's what they want. Yeah. One other uh, uh, item that I wanted to ask you about was the concept of peak oil. Uh, that's peak oil, which mm-hmm. has been a concept of um, certain types. And mm-hmm. uh, there's other ones that are saying that there's uh, abiotic oil, which refront, uh, replenishes itself. Mm-hmm. And there are those that say that oil that there's so much oil we we we're there's no such thing as uh, peak oil what what's your yeah. opinion on that 
Well, PCOL theory came out at first from the guys who wanted to stop industrialization. In fact, they said they must, be never, must never have another America again. They want to deindustrialize and literally rip down any existing remaining factories and bring you back to a happy Indian village. That's what they want to do. They've said it openly, and I've read their articles from their own websites at the United Nations. And um, uh, the fact is, uh, there's stacks of oil out there. And I've got an old children's school book here. I've got a yard sale. Uh, and it was about all the oil fields that had been found in the 1920s in Ontario alone. There was hundreds and hundreds of them. And they kept them then for future use. They've never been touched yet. Now, they have these obviously all over Canada, for instance. A lot of Americans don't realize that most of the, the gasoline they use in the U.S. comes from Canada. They don't know that. And... Uh, and, so you do uh, not believe in the peak oil theory, then? I, I... Not, not as it's being pushed, absolutely not. And um, as I say, I've, I've met many people from BP, Shell, and so on, as I used to cross the North Sea all the time in the 80s and, and, and uh, 90s. And top, some of the executives, when there a few drinks, them would tell you that they kept were con- constantly finding more and more. They said they were only starting to find uh, the, the oil fields. It says there's hundreds of them, enough in, in the North Sea alone to power the world for a few hundred years. They all said the same thing. And that was just there, from there. And there's oil all over the place. But you've got to understand that in, in, a, in a society which is scientifically controlled, you will have no private transportation. The United Nations stated that in the Agenda 21 report, there'll be no private transportation. In a totalitarian regime, in a scientifically created society, you, you don't allow people to travel outside their community. Every previous tyrant regime has done the same thing. So this is a system they're bringing into us. Public transportation only will be the way to go. Everything else will be used as an excuse, of course. You understand? I have also a question about there. there is one gloom and doomer who says that the Gulf Stream has stopped, and uh, I guess this was in coordination with the, uh, Gulf, uh, the Me- Gulf of Mexico situation, but... Yeah. Uh, what and and then he uh, he's talking about the tenth planet and planet X and all that. Oh no 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 no. I've watched this corn being pulled out so many times over the uh, twenty years, <laughs> uh, and every time they want to divert you, oh planet X is coming back in again and all that rubbish. And even when Mars a few years ago was the closest to Earth it's been in, in, in thousands of years, uh, they pulled that out the bag again. So when people could see this star that was was kind of reddish. Uh, for the first time in their lives, because people most never look upwards, um, they were all getting told, oh, it's Planet X coming in, and they're all parting this stuff on the New Age circuit. And, uh, you no, know, that's utter, utter rubbish, you know. And uh, the, the stream is, is still going yet. The guys who tell you about the stream are, the, are local fishermen. When you talk to those guys, they can tell you exactly what's happening. Uh, well, I don't, I don't talk to them, but I, <clears throat> I would not, well, my, my personal opinion is that the, the Gulf Mexico is probably not a safe place to go to, but... It'll take years for all those chemicals to disperse, there's no doubt about it, but they do disperse pretty quickly because that that stream is on the go, it's very powerful, but it moves the stuff elsewhere, of course, that's what all it does is move stuff. Same with the radiation off Japan, it hits one of the the main streams and then it's pushed all over the, the planet, so... It's true, whatever you dump into the sea or whatever you spray on the sea is going to end up getting, getting spread across the world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the case with uh, Japan, I believe. It is, yeah. 
and it's going to continue in Japan because they can't concrete it underneath. It's just uh, the seawater is under the ground there, uh, right next to the sea, and literally it's seeping in all the time. And the rest of it is still disintegrating and going up in fission into the atmosphere. And this is going to continue for 10 months minimum, and it'll take 10 years to, to decommission those plants. So you're looking at this ongoing for a long time. Yeah. And you're talking very long half-lives as well. Yeah, cesium and so on. And some of the plutonium, the MOX plutonium, about half a million years. Uh, yes, uh, way, way beyond our lifetimes, uh, the human lifetime, in fact. Well, depending on what kind of transhumans they bring us out. <laughs> they may bring some transhumans out that are resistant to, who knows. <laughs> Can I ask another question? Uh, if you're very quick, yeah. Okay. Um, the the uh, One of the other gloom and doomers was talking about a Navy um, secret uh, presentation that talked about the infiltration of the ocean into the uh, Madrid um, Mississippi area and the flooding of uh, coastal areas mm-hmm. within our lifetime. Well, you got to understand as well that, that anything that you look at in, in, in uh, geography and oceanography and so on, anything you look at where there's fault lines or whatever, you can let your imagination run riots. All you have to say is, if I wanted to create uh, earthquakes, this, that, or the other, uh, what would I do? And you can you can take that to the nth limit. And it, there are people who are fear addicted. They're addicted to fear programs all the time. And it's, it's a natural thing. They know this too in psychology. That if you keep plump, pumping up terror, terror, fear, fear, people will tune in every day to hear it in case they miss something that might be vital for their survival. So they become addicted to this kind of stuff. So there's lots out there who will utilize that for their own benefits and sell advertising and all the rest of it. However. It is true that the governments, too, in warfare have admitted and can find their things on. They can set off fault lines themselves with underground charges, and they have patents on subs that can do that and all that, too. That's the other part of the equation. (laughs) But thanks for calling. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix and we'll talk to, there's Dave from Wales on the line. Are you there, Dave? Hi, Alan. Hello. Hello, how how are you? Hanging in here, yeah. I'll try and be as quick as possible. Um, Have you heard about um, Charlie Veach um, being um, arrested? Yes. You, You already know, do you? Yeah, so there's another professor, too, that was arrested as well, who was a professor of uh, anthropology or something. But so they're arresting everybody who wants to put on even a, a, like a street theater show uh, to mock the royalty. They're, they're, everyone's being rounded up and arrested, pre-arrest, they call it. And uh, uh, there's nothing really new in this. Whenever the big wigs are out, they, 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 they do this with Olympics and things like that, too. Yeah, yeah it's here, pre-crime. Yeah, pre-crime, yeah. I think, I think last year, um, Infowars.com covered, had an article about, I don't know whether you saw it, the pre-crime they wanted to create in, in Washington state. Well, they do it. They actually do it when big wigs come even to Canada, like the G20. They clear out lots of the tenants along the way that the cars will drive. They clear them out and put them up elsewhere. And basically, you're under house arrest. Uh, so uh, anyone who could possibly, possibly ever, ever be any kind of threat or problem, even someone who just wants to go to the street and and show their bare bum to them or whatever, is considered a criminal, a potential criminal, and mustn't uh, must be pulled off for pre-crime reasons. 
And you see, we're under martial law, so we shouldn't get crazy because of this uh, fairy tale wedding where some uh, princess uh, kisses a toad and turns them into something else. I mean, we shouldn't go crazy about this one because, I mean, when you've been under surveillance since 2001 openly with millions of cameras uh, and everything about you has been tracked and traced, I mean, we shouldn't take too much out of this one. We're already under martial law, so why are we surprised when they just run folk up? You know, we shouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah, that's yeah. true. And, you know, you're talking about um, some of the bloodlines in the families. Have you, have you heard of the, the Aga Khan? Yeah. yeah. Um, um, uh, there's two points I'd say. Firstly, is that he's building a new temple in Canada. Have you, have, you, have you heard about it? Have you seen the plans for that? I heard something about it. I haven't seen the plans, no. Yeah, he's building a literally, a, it's like a pyramid-shaped temple. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like his, his, his father and his grandfather were all Masons, and it's all like a, it's a very Masonic... Um, well, they go back to actually to the assassins, they were called them, or it was really called the Hassassani, and uh, they were one of the first the, uh, real assassins that the Knights Templars met, by the way. Um, uh, the old man of the mountain was the Grand Master, traditionally, and it was passed down through uh, to these particular people, yeah. yeah. Like, um, the sect he belongs to has kind of three ranks, mm-hmm. and it's exactly like, exactly like Freemasonry. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? There's, there's oh, three yeah. ranks. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and um, and this is this is like almost a thousand years ago. Yes, it was. In fact, so Omar Khayyam uh, was one of the members. In fact, the guy who founded the, the order uh, was his best friend. Uh, and as I say, it's a quite amazing history. There's a book called The Assassins, well worth reading. Gives you the history of them and how the Templars met them. The Templars tried to impress them with, just by, with their jousting and knocking guys off horses. And the Grand Master, the old man in the mountain, says, well, if that's impressive, watch this. And he ordered a, about a hundred of his men to walk over a cliff, which they immediately did. He says, that, that's power. He says, that's real power. And then they, they had a kind of merger and a, an agreement between them to share their spoils of war. And that's why the Knights Templars, of course, often uh, fought, fought against their own sides. And that's, that's a fact of history. They fought against their own sides to save some of these characters down through the ages. But assassins were placed in high positions, could be sleepers for years, then told to assassinate other princes, and they would do it. But uh, very old techniques, still running today, of course, in higher levels of government. But thanks for calling. From Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, that's good night, may your God or your God school with you.